Greetings, and welcome to another episode of From John to Justin. If you like, you can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. First, on every single tier, you get completely ad-free episodes, and you get a say in what topics I cover on my podcasts. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate, or you can go to buymeacupofcoffee slash CraigU. All of these links are also in my show notes. And for people who donate, I have various levels of benefits. For $5, you get a thank you at the start of the next episode of Canadian History X, Canada's Great War, and from John to Justin, and on social media. For $10, you get everything from the $5, plus this episode is sponsored by with your name at the start. Also, I'll state it's sponsored by you on social media. For $20, everything from the $5 and $10, plus a second episode sponsored by you and promotion of something you're working on. And for $50, everything from the $5, $10, and $20 plus, you get to choose a topic for me to cover on Canadian History X. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D. And I'm on Instagram and TikTok where I put up daily videos about Canada's history. Just go to my username, Bairdo37. And you can find weekly videos on Canada's history on my YouTube channel. Just go to youtube.com slash c slash CanadianHistoryX. If you want to find transcripts of every episode I've ever done, you can go to my website, CanadaEHX.com. And there's over 700 posts on Canada's history there. Before I start, I want to say welcome to three new patrons, Tom L., Elizabeth B., and Christy. I also want to say thank you to Jonathan D., who left me a wonderful donation. And I will say that... All donations and all Patreon support throughout the month of September will be going to the SBCA in honor of my best pal, Boris, who passed away a couple days ago. I just want to honor him with something, and I thought this would be a nice way to do it. For the first time in Canadian history, but not the last time, a female governor general would be replaced, not by a male governor general, but another female governor-general. Such was the case in 2005 when Mikhail Jean replaced Adrian Clarkson. But we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves. Mikhail Jean was born in Haiti on September 6, 1957, which made her the first governor-general to be born after Queen Elizabeth II was coronated. Her grandmother had been a seamstress who worked long hours to put her children through school following the death of her husband. Living in Haiti's capital, Jean lived in a middle-class neighborhood where her father worked as a teacher of philosophy at a prep school, but was instead educated by her parents as they did not want her to attend the school where she would have to swear allegiance to the ruler of Haiti at the time. She would say decades later, quote, In Haiti, when you grow up under a regime of dictatorship, you really need to believe that you can fight the system. You believe in the importance of speaking out. You believe in the importance of taking risks, because this is what fighting for freedom is about. End quote. In 1965, Jean's father was arrested and tortured. His family did not know if he was alive until he was dumped on the street outside their home. His head was so swollen they could barely recognize him. Two years later, he fled to Canada using underground channels and friends. He'd be joined by his wife, Jean, and another daughter the next year. Jean would say, quote, I remember my last day in my native land. The day of uprooting seemed to us the day of judgment, the day that we buried our old life. End quote. The family would settle at Thetford Mines, a mining town in Quebec where Jean's father worked at a local college. 
Her father was never the same, though, and she would describe him as a broken man who was often prone to violence. Before long, the marriage of her parents fell apart, and Jean, her sister, and mother moved into a basement apartment where her mother made money working at a clothing factory and then as a night orderly in a psychiatric hospital. Jean would say, quote, Miserable little jobs that my mother accepted without losing her pride, a few cents to make ends meet. End quote. After graduating from high school, Jean would attend Montreal University and earn a degree in Italian and Spanish. She then pursued a master's degree in comparative literature at Montreal University while also teaching Italian there. By her early 20s, Jean was fluent in French, Haitian, English, Spanish, and Italian. She was also becoming more involved in activism, especially in helping women who were victims of domestic violence. She would work in shelters from 1979 to 1987 and help coordinate a government-funded study on spousal abuse. During this time, she was also helping immigrants obtain entry to Canada and worked with Employment and Immigration Canada to help them. She would also marry Jean-Daniel Lafont, and the couple would adopt a daughter who had been orphaned in Haiti. In 1986, Jean, for the first time in 20 years, returned to Haiti, where she began to conduct research for an article about the women on the island. They arrived in time to see the fall of the government and the ousting of the dictator ruler. In 1987, as Haiti began elections, she was invited by the National Film Board to return to Haiti to research and interview people on the election. This led to Jean being hired by Radio Canada, where she became the first black Canadian to appear on a French television news in Canada. She began to work as a host and reporter for various television news magazines, and by the mid-1990s, she was hosting Le Journal RDI, which earned her a Gemini Award. Throughout the 1990s, with her husband, she made documentaries about the black experience in Quebec. Her star had risen enough by 2004 that she was given her own current affairs show on RDI called Mikhail. She would also appear in English-language news shows such as Rough Cuts and The Passionate Eye, eventually hosting both. In August 2005, Jean was appointed as the Governor General of Canada by Prime Minister Paul Martin. He would say she was, quote, a woman of talent and achievement. Her personal story is nothing short of extraordinary, and extraordinary is precisely what we see in a Governor Generalship, who after all must represent all of Canada to all Canadians and to the rest of the world as well, end quote. But it was not an easy decision for Jean, who said in 2008, quote, When I was approached with this idea of me becoming Governor General, I didn't answer right away. My first reaction was to propose names. I came up with 30 right away, and they said, no, we took care of that. We have a committee, you know, but the idea was to ask you. So I took about four weeks, and I knew that to have a person like me becoming Governor General would actually provoke a lot of hope in so many people, end quote. Good evening. Mikhail Jean says she's come a long way, and what a journey. As a child, she fled Haiti's repressive regime, and even in the safe haven of Canada, she faced racial slurs. Today, at a candid news conference, Jean was presented to Canadians as their next Governor General. The CBC's Eric Sorensen now, on the road to Rideau Hall. A striking presence, a respected broadcaster for CBC Radio Canada. Yet somehow, Mikhail Jean slipped under the political radar, a surprise choice as Canada's next Governor-General. Here is who I am. <laughs> she is the first black person, the first Haitian-born, the first descendant of slaves to be Governor-General. Having a person like me as Governor-General of Canada will mean a lot, not only to Canadians, but all abroad. Imagine. 
As I said, my ancestors were slaves, and they fought for freedom. She was asked if she might be seen as a token appointment. I've never been a token, sir, and will never be. The Prime Minister insisted he did not choose a prominent Quebecer to shore up his government's fortunes in Quebec. The fact she is a black, female immigrant who's found a better life in Canada does seem to have played a big part in Paul Martin's choice. She does represent the story of Canada. She represents what we are, who we are, and what we, we're, what we want to be. And I think this is important for Canadians. I also think it's important for those who are outside of our borders to understand the nature of our country. Mikhail Jean will also be the first governor general slash working mom with a child to raise at Rideau Hall, six-year-old Marie Eden. Her husband, Jean-Daniel Lafonde, is a Quebec filmmaker. He made this documentary about his wife's experiences growing up in Montreal. When people look at you, they see black. When you look at yourself, you see black. As vice regal consort, Lafon says he'll still make films. I am who I am. I'm like that. You know, I stay myself. Next month, Mikhail Jean will replace Adrian Clarkson, who brought flair to the job of governor general and traveled widely. With a $19 million budget, Clarkson was criticized for some of her expenses. Jean would only say she too has projects to pursue, like working with young people. I don't think that I'll, have, I'll be wasting money in a way by doing and carrying these kinds of projects. Almost immediately, this created controversy as it was suggested that both Jean and her husband had supported the separatist movement in Quebec. Specifically, that her husband had supported Quebec separatism and been close with the FLQ. In a 1991 documentary, both he and Jean were seen raising toasts with Quebec separatists. In a book about the film, he wrote, quote, so, a sovereign Quebec, an independent Quebec, yes, I applaud with both hands, end quote. Quickly, the federal government began to assure Canadians that the Governor-General did not support separatism. It would also be noted that it was hard to determine the politics of her husband, as he'd been born in France in 1944, came to Canada in 1974, became a Canadian citizen in 1981, and married Jean in 1990. Maclean's would write, quote, the questions swirl around what views Lafont acquired on Quebec's place in Canada during his many years as a Montreal academic, filmmaker, and radio commentator. You'd think he'd have said something definite on the subject. The absence of hard evidence didn't stop hardcore separatists from sparking a debate about the couple's convictions. End quote. Throughout Canada, there were those who decided to make it something more than it likely was. Conservative leader Stephen Harper and Alberta Premier Ralph Klein received phone calls from Prime Minister Martin asking them to essentially calm down over the matter. Klein would vow to check into how Jean voted in the 1995 referendum, while Premier Bernard Lord of New Brunswick demanded to know how Jean voted as well. Prime Minister Martin would say, quote, What is taking place here is nothing more complicated than a smear campaign by hardline separatists who see Madame Jean's appointment as a threat, end quote. Many would question the vetting process, but Scott Reed, the press secretary to Martin, would say, quote, We have no intention about asking the future governor-general or her husband about their former acquaintances or who they might have had dinner with 15 or 20 years ago. We are not going to disgrace either of these people or their office by asking them to turn out their underwear drawer and justify their allegiance to queen and country. We do not live in Stalinist Russia, end quote. Jean chose not to respond to the accusations, but eventually stated that she never belonged to the separatist movement. She stated on August 17, 2005, quote, 
I wish to tell you unequivocally that both my husband and I are proud to be Canadian and that we have the greatest respect for the institutions of our country. We are fully committed to Canada. I would not have accepted this position otherwise. We have never belonged to a political party or the separatist movement. End quote. Years later, she would say of Quebec separatism, quote, I never saw Quebecers as being on bended knee, oppressed, and colonized. We have plenty of power and we are a rich society with a voice in the world. End quote. One can associate the residential school system with tuberculosis and tuberculosis with the residential school system. We had indigenous parents, communities, students, church employees, teachers, and individuals who are part of Indian Affairs, like Dr. Peter Henderson Price, giving their critiques in their own time. People hid when the tuberculosis screening came to their communities because they knew that the result of getting screened was that they, they could be taken away. I believe a lot of people were used, government officials who just thought they were doing the right thing. They were doing what they were told. First Nations, Métis, and Inuit peoples are already told our story. It's now time to tell the other side of the story. We need to take a serious look at the parts of the system from the past that we may be replicating today. I'm Maya Foster Sanchez, and this is the story of a national crime. Coming this fall, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. By the end of the week, most of the steam had gone out of the story, and it was believed by most that René Boulanger, who had written an article stated that Lafon's bookcase had been built by a former member of the FLQ with a false bottom to hide weapons, only wrote the article to create a backlash against Jean in English Canada to fuel the Quebec separatist movement. He would say, quote, The hatred of our liberty that will be revealed may suffice as much as any Meech Lake to bond us in the same destiny, the Quebecers of the secular resistance, end quote. The Bloc Québécois and Parti Québécois both came to her defense. Gilles Duceppe, leader of the Bloc Québécois, would say, quote, She had the right to be one or the other. What does she think now? Did she change her mind? It is her right. How did she vote on October 30th, 1995? We don't need to know this. Does her husband think the same thing? Did he change his mind? He has the right, end quote. Louis Herrell, interim leader of the Parti Québécois, would state, quote, The position of Governor-General is a symbol of colonial past which we decline. However, the current campaign being run by certain persons towards Michael Jean to ascribe intentions does not distinguish between the function and the citizen who has the complete right to her opinions, regardless of what they are, end quote. An opinion poll soon found that 79% of Canadians approved of her appointment, with 89% in Quebec approving of it. By late August, though, support for Jean as Governor-General had dropped by 20%. The Haitian community in Canada, in response to this, voiced their support for her and held church services in her honour. On September 6, 2005, Jean and her family had an audience with Queen Elizabeth II and were joined by Prince Philip and Prince Edward. It also coincided with her birthday, and the Queen and Prince Philip performed the cooking and washing up. Jean would say it was the best birthday of her life. There was also an issue over her dual citizenship as she was a citizen of both Canada and France due to her marriage. She would renounce her French citizenship upon becoming Governor-General. Jean would say in 2008, quote, I couldn't relate to those accusations because I know who I am. I know what I stand for. I profoundly believe in citizenship and I know what citizenship is about. And I could say the same for my husband, end quote. 
On September 27, 2005, Jean was sworn in as Governor General. Upon taking office, she became the first black Canadian, the first person from the Caribbean, and the first person in an interracial marriage to become Governor General. She was also the fourth youngest Governor General at 33 years old, the fourth former journalist, and the second person to not have a political or military background. Her appointment also meant that Rideau Hall would have a child living in it for the first time since Edward Schreyer was Governor General from 1979 to 1984. She would say in her first speech, quote, The time for two solitudes that for too long described the character of this country is past. The narrow notion of every person for himself does not belong in today's world, which demands that we learn to see beyond our wounds, beyond our differences for the good of all. Quite the contrary, we must eliminate the specter of all the solitudes and promote solidarity among all citizens who make up Canada today. End quote. The Globe and Mail would write of her, quote, Here is this beautiful young Canadian of Haitian birth, with a smile that makes you catch your breath, with a bemused older husband by her side and a daughter who literally personifies our future, and you look at them and you think, yes, this is our great achievement, this is the Canada that Canada wants to be, this is the Canada that will ultimately make way for different cultural identities. End quote. As a descendant of slaves, Jean would focus her time as Governor General on emphasizing freedom as a central part of the Canadian identity. She also worked to eliminate the divide that was present between the French and English Canada. On November 11, 2005, Jean and her husband arrived at the National War Memorial for her first Remembrance Day ceremony. Veterans of the ceremony turned their backs on her to show contempt for what they felt were two people who wanted to break up the country. But despite these criticisms for when she took office, she soon became celebrated for her passionate speaking ability, commitment to youth and indigenous people, as well as the armed forces and her photogenic presence. She would use her office to advance human rights issues, support the arts, and bring attention to the socio-economic problems in the Canadian North. Elders, chiefs, Ministers, privy councillors, parliamentarians, councillors, Mary Simon, Dr. Riley, Mary Coyle, chers amis, first, let me say how uh, honored I am to be here. We are here together under the auspices of the spirits of our Aboriginal ancestors. We couldn't think of a better venue. They're all around us. And let me begin by honoring the Algonquin people on whose ancestral land we stay today. And thank you, Mary, for your kind words. It is a pleasure for me to join you today in celebrating the launching of the Cody International Institute's Indigenous Women in Community Leadership Program. And today's event brings so much joy to my heart because I have always believed in the power of women to improve the quality of life of their communities. For I believe women possess the gift of life 
Women embody the spirit of caring. Women carry the light of hope. And it is these life-affirming qualities that certainly strengthen the fabric of our society. Jean would travel extensively in Canada visiting the provinces and territories. She would open the Tunic Time Festival in Nunavut, present the Grey Cup at the CFL Championship Game in Vancouver, and become the first Governor-General in history to address the Alberta Legislature, which she did on May 4, 2006. In 2008, McLean's would say, quote, She loves people, and people love her, end quote. Jean would say, quote, I like people who make sometimes the impossible come true. I like people who are thought-provoking. I like people who are very audacious. I like people who have an idea about making a difference and bringing about change around them, end quote. In February 2006, Jean made her first international trip as vice-regal, attending the closing ceremonies of the 2006 Winter Olympics, where she also met Pope Benedict XVI at the Vatican. From November 18th to December 11, 2006, she would visit African countries, where she championed the cause of women's rights. And while her Africa visit only generated a few headlines in Canada, it was widely covered in Africa. She would urge Mali's national... She would urge Mali's National Parliament to enact a bill to let women own property and seek divorce, and she was compared by the Mali media to Muhammad Ali and Pele as a symbol of black pride. She would say, quote, I'd rather discuss with people what they can accomplish about their own power over their own lives instead of their powerlessness. To me, powerless is like a provocation. I like to defy it, and that is what I felt throughout my Africa trip, end quote. Ironically, while Adrian Clarkson was criticized for traveling too much, Jean was criticized for traveling too little. While her approval ratings were low, she was always greeted by large crowds when she traveled. She would also visit Saskatchewan's government house in 2007 and had a private discussion with Indigenous female chiefs and elders, which was greatly praised in Canada. On March 8, 2007, she made her first visit to the Canadian troops in Afghanistan. Her arrival was timed to coincide with International Women's Day. She would stay, quote, the women of Afghanistan may face the most unbearable conditions, but they never stop fighting for survival. Of course, we, the rest of the women around the world, took too long to hear the cries of our Afghan sisters, but I am here to tell them that they are no longer alone, and neither are the people of Afghanistan. End quote. In December 2008, she was criticized for agreeing to allow Prime Minister Stephen Harper to prorogue Parliament for seven weeks to avoid an election. Keeping with tradition, she, as Governor-General, did not explain her reasons for agreeing to proroguing Parliament. On May 10th, Princess Marguerite of the Netherlands presented Jean with a new tulip named the Mikhail Jean Tulip, which was designed to reflect her personal tastes. By 2009, she was being applauded for her work as Governor-General. Don Martin of the National Post would write on December 4th of that year, quote, a stuffy role normally confined to state dinners, ambassador greetings, and medal presentations went stellar on multiple fronts in 2009. A welcome change from what sources described as her midterm crisis a couple years ago. There was her raw seal heart chow down, a widely praised culinary tasting of cultural significance to her Inuit hosts. End quote. On October 1, 2010, her term as Governor General came to an end as she was replaced by David Johnston. By the time her time as Governor-General came to an end, she had seen her approval rating rise to 60%. She was rated the highest in British Columbia and Ontario, and the lowest in Quebec. On her final day as Governor-General, Jean, along with her husband and daughter, planted a burr oak tree on the grounds of Rideau Hall. 
While there would be criticism at first, Jean would be regarded as having fulfilled her role in an admirable fashion. She had spent her time as Governor General using her charisma and speaking skills to promote Canada, freedom, and human rights. She was also highly commended for her dedication to the arts, the indigenous people, the armed forces, and her outreach to Haiti, especially after the devastating earthquake. After leaving her post as Governor General, Jean became a UNESCO Special Envoy to Haiti, and she would create the Mikhail Jean Foundation to help youth in poverty in rural and northern Canada. In February 2012, she became the Chancellor of the University of Ottawa, but resigned in 2015 as her new role as the Secretary General of La Francophonie was taking up too much of her time. She had taken on that role on November 30th, 2014, and was the first woman and first Canadian to hold the position. Canada's former Governor General was chosen today as the new leader of the Francophonie. Mikhail Jean will be the first woman and the first Canadian to lead the group of French-speaking nations. She was named to the post at the end of this year's summit in Senegal. But it took some work. The CBC's Rosemary Barton has the details from Dakar. Rosemary? Wendy, in the end, it was a hard-won victory for Canada and Mikhail Jean, but a victory all the same. The smile said it all. After months of campaigning in French-speaking countries around the world, Mikhail Jean emerged as the next Secretary General of the Francophonie, an organization representing more than 270 million Francophones around the world. The Prime Minister, who publicly backed her campaign, had this immediate reaction. But it proved difficult. There were five candidates and leaders met behind closed doors for more than two hours before finding consensus. A challenge France's President François Hollande acknowledged when he thanked African leaders for getting behind Jean. She was not necessarily the obvious candidate. More than 30 of the voting members here are African, and some may have been unsure a North American could well represent their interests, something Jean denied. I don't know where you're, you're getting the story that they have hesitated. Jean must now pick up the legacy of outgoing Secretary General Abdul Diouf after more than a decade in the position. She is already pushing the importance of moving the organization towards a more powerful economic role, while recognizing that the arrival of a woman and a Canadian will force change. We can see that how democracy is, is progressing in, in Africa. There are still lots of challenges, but we need as one, as a group in that space where we share the French language to continue by the charter of la francophonie to really insist on you know these human rights issues women's rights uh, equality uh, between men and women it's it's crucial both Canada and Quebec worked hard to get Jean to the top of this organization and Quebec's premier credited Harper's campaigning calling it tenacious I think he was convinced that this was the right candidacy at this moment for the Francophonie, and he really did uh, play an important role too. Ultimately, this is a win for Harper too. His foreign policy will potentially be bolstered by the Francophonie. Canada's reputation on the international stage will be greater. She would serve in that role until January 2019. I hope you enjoyed that episode and my look at Mikhail Jean. Next week, we're looking at David Johnston. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. As well, again, if you want to support the podcast, you can for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX.
And you can donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking Donate. And I also want to thank all of my wonderful patrons. And I apologize if I get any names incorrect. Martin Strache, Sarah White, Tom McMillan, Mike Sullivan, Wendy Mills, Keelan Pringnitz, Michael Matthews, Joanna Parker, Jeff Dahl, Vobbs, Robert Page, Richard T., Colin Johnson, Jeff Hershey, Kyle Murray, Steve Pakin, Matthew Gartho, Lionel Romaine, Dr. Bob Turner, Randy Hayden, Doug Campbell, Reg W., Deborah Carlson, Francis Helbling, Nixon Ree, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Chauve, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Roy, Luke S., J.P. Bear, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, and Iris Gray. Information from Canadian Encyclopedia, CBC, Governor General of Canada, Maclean's Wikipedia, National Post, Saskatoon Star Phoenix, Montreal Gazette, and the Ottawa Citizen. Thanks, and we'll see you again next time. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone. Like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.